1: Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Saso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International. God bless all of you for tuning in. You are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Something that we've been talking about for the past several weeks is that God has given us a period of 40 days and nights to get in alignment with His ways of doing things, to get in alignment with His will, and allow Him to prepare us for the greater works. Something that's amazing that happened is that Jesus, he was in the wilderness for 40 days, right? And he was tempted by the devil. And after those 40 days being in the wilderness, he started his three-year ministry where he transformed the entire world. And not only that, he became the salvation for all men. He accomplished all of that in just three years after being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. So for us, these 40 days is our wilderness journey, and this is a period where God is preparing us for the greater works. So I really encourage you, submit yourself to God's leading, God's discipline, and God's training. We have to get into God's ways of doing things. We have to get into God's will. It has to be all of Him. It can't be any of the world system. It can't be any of our own ways of doing things. It has to be God's ways of doing things. You see, because the Israelites, they were slaves to the Egyptians, and God delivered them from the Egyptians, right? We know how the story goes. He brought forth all those plagues. And then they went over to the Red Sea. The Egyptians chased after them, and God parted the Red Sea, right? And the Israelites walked across on dry ground, and then when the Egyptians chased after them, they were washed away. So God did this mighty deliverance, for the Israelites, bringing them out of slavery under the Egyptians. And then they traveled through the wilderness to the promised land. Okay, They had to pass through the wilderness in order to get to the promised land. And we have to do the same. You see, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, the scripture says that in the daytime, they were led by a pillar of cloud. And in the nighttime... They were led by a pillar of fire. So God was showing them where to go and what to do. And when they became hungry, God provided manna from heaven. And when they became thirsty, God provided water from the rock. So in the wilderness, this is a period where God's preparing us to enter the promised land, and we have to learn to follow where God leads us, and we have to learn to rely on God concerning our needs and our desires. We have to learn to trust in him and rely on him. Because the Israelites, when they were slaves to the Egyptians, they got all of their food from the Egyptians. They relied on that system where they were slaves. Just like prior to God transforming our lives, we relied on the world system, okay? And so there's this adjustment period that happens in the wilderness where you have to unlearn, where you're not relying on the Egyptian system, that system where you were slaves. You have to learn to rely on and trust in God, and you cannot enter the promised land until you've graduated from that. And this first generation of Israelites, they did not Because what happened is that despite the fact that God parted the Red Seas, despite the fact that God did all these miracles, he brought water from the rock, he rained manna from heaven, despite all of these things, when it came down to it, the Israelites focused more on what they want, right? We're hungry. Why don't we go back to Egypt? At least we have meat there. They wanted to go back to the old, where they were slaves. They wanted to go back. And not only did they focus on their desires and their wants, But they also focused on the obstacles ahead of them because when God sent spies into the promised land, the thing that they focused on was that, oh, there's giants in the land and they're well fortified and we look like locusts to them. It's impossible, right? They became afraid. They didn't trust in God. And so God had to wait for the next generation. And something that God has said in this season is that the baton has been passed now to the new generation of believers that are going to take the mantle, and they are going to be a part of the transfer of wealth, influence, and affluence for the glory of God and the benefit of his people. So, this is something that we have to understand. When you're in the wilderness, it's not that you don't know where you're going. right? It's not that you're not hearing from God. That's not what the wilderness is about. You see, because the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness... They were being led by God. God showed up as a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. They knew exactly where they were going, okay? Because some Christians, when they say, oh, I'm, you know, in the wilderness right now, I'm having a wilderness experience. When they say that, what they really mean is, right, I'm not hearing from God. I don't know where I'm going. I'm lost. I'm aimless. Or maybe I haven't been obeying God, right? So I've been out in the wilderness. That's not the wilderness journey. The wilderness journey is that you are on the path towards the promised land, which means you are being led by God. You're receiving manna from heaven. You're getting water from the rock, right? Divine provision, divine direction. You know where you're going. It's part of the preparation process before you go into the promised land. So that's not the things that many Christians are referring to the wilderness journey is not actually the wilderness journey. So the wilderness journey, it's all about God training you how to stop relying on that old system you were a slave to and start relying on him. And that's what the Israelites had to do. And the unfortunate truth is that many Christians, they think they're in the wilderness, but the truth is they've never left Egypt. They say, Yeah, yeah, I follow God. I love God. I obey Him, right? But they still keep operating according to the world system. They still keep doing their ways of doing things, the world's ways of doing things. They're not actually following God and relying on God. What does that mean? They're still slaves to the world system. And so many Christians are still stuck in Egypt. They never left. Something that is so important for the calling of God to manifest in your life is that you have to leave all of the old ways behind you see when god called abram and he called abram and he said i have this great destiny for you abram it says in in genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 5 it says the lord said to abram go from your country your people your father's household to a land i will show you so abram had to leave everything behind and back then you know nowadays leaving your family You know, even if you're going to another country, at least we have things like the internet, video calls. You know, we can still fly in and visit on Christmas and stuff like that, right? Abram leaving his father's household and going to some land he didn't know about where he didn't know where he was going. This was a very permanent thing, okay? He was potentially never seeing his father again. But Abram was willing to do it. And so the Lord said, right, so leave your father's household and go to a land I'm going to show you. So you've got to leave everything behind. You've got to leave all the old habits, all the old ways of doing things, all the old ways of thinking, the ways that you went about doing business, doing finances, relationships. All of it is in the past. You've got to leave it behind. Okay? And the Lord says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So Abram obeyed the Lord. And Abram would never have manifested the calling. He would never have become the father of many nations, right? The world would look very different if Abram, was not willing to leave everything behind and follow God. Okay? We have to. Okay? You can't get to the promised land unless you leave Egypt behind. So you have to be willing to leave all of those things behind, all the habits, all the old ways of doing things. You will never enter the promised land. You will never manifest your destiny unless you do that, right? And so something that's very important is that, When the calling of God comes upon you, and you're going to obey it, that means there is a noticeable transformation in your day-to-day life, in your ways of thinking, in your ways of approaching problems. There's a notable transformation in the way you go about your day-to-day thing. In the case of Abram here, his entire world got completely transformed because of the direction of the Lord. And many Christians, they'll receive some calling, right? Some great calling about how they're going to be so anointed and how they're going to do this and that. And they receive that word, oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. Yeah, I believe you. I believe you. And then there's no change to their day-to-day life. They still keep living exactly as they did before. Faith is going to produce corresponding actions. So if you're going to step into the calling that God has for your life, A dramatic change will happen in your life. God will pull you out of you, right? And if you're listening to the Lord, you'll realize that it will change the way you think, change the way you speak. God will transform your life. And I'm not just talking in terms of salvation. Salvation is the first step, right? It's like you get saved and so many people stop there. No, it's going to be a radical transformation. Abram had to completely change his life because of how God led him to live. Now, something that is really interesting is that Abram was not actually the original person who was intended to be called to Canaan. Because in Genesis chapter 11, it talks about the family line of Terah, who is the father of Abram. It says in Genesis chapter 11, starting with verse 31. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. So, Terah had initially set out with the intention of going all the way to Canaan. He wasn't supposed to stop in, Haran. He was supposed to go all the way. But he got to Haran. He said, this is good enough. This is fine. I'm going to settle here. So, God had to wait for the next generation. The baton was passed from Terah, and it had to be passed on to Abram. And Abram was the one who had faith in God and actually obeyed him. That is why it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. See, Abram accomplished that which his father did not accomplish. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to them. And this is what God is telling the body of Christ now. Okay? He's been showing us this transfer of wealth, influence, and affluence that is coming. Concerning the arts and entertainment, concerning the education industry, concerning the political arena. He's showing us this land, and he's saying to our offspring, he's going to give it to us. That we are going to be living in dominion and authority over those industries. But the only way we're going to get there is if we leave the old behind. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. That's part of the reason why the Scripture tells us that anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. It's completely gone. All of those old things have to go away. We have to forget the former things. This includes the failures of the past and the successes of the past. We cannot assume that God is going to act a specific way that we imagined it in our mind. We cannot assume that we can go about doing our own thing and God is going to bless it. As I had talked about in previous weeks, anything that is not built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, that is a house that is built upon the sand. It is a house that is not going to last. It is going to crumble and fall. And any time we do something out of our own will, out of our own understanding, we are building on a foundation that will not last. Are you guys getting this? So this period of 40 days is something we need to take very seriously. It is part of our preparation so that we can enter the promised land, okay? This is our wilderness journey. We have to be trained by God in everything that we do. We have to leave all the old behind. And something that's amazing, so Abram was willing to leave behind his father's household, all of his relatives, his inheritance, all of those things. He left them behind to follow and obey God. And we have to do those same things. And the amazing thing is that Jesus was also the perfect example of somebody that was able to lay aside everything that they knew, everything that was familiar to them, and journey into the unknown where God would lead them. Because Jesus, he was willing to lay aside his own godhood. That's what the scripture says, that he laid aside his godhood to become born of a man. You talk about entering unfamiliar territory. Right? Everything that was familiar to him, everything that he was used to, it was gone. Now he has to live as a man. He has to live in the flesh. That's completely foreign to him. But he was willing to do it so that he could go to the cross, fulfill the Father's will, and bring salvation to the world. So let us be willing to lay aside those things that are familiar to us so that God can bring forth new things in our lives. And something that's going to happen is that God is going to raise up people, including those among you that are listening to the sound of my voice now. God is going to raise up God-fearing, powerful, anointed men and women of God that are going to enter every industry. The arts and entertainment, the technology industry, the political arena, education, real estate, fashion, All of these industries, God is raising people up now that they will step into those nations and take dominion. Because right now, those lands are being inhabited by people that are not a part of the kingdom of God. And this is exactly what the promised land looked like before the Israelites entered into it. It was overrun with people that did not know God and did not believe God. But God had predestined that this land was set aside for his people. And what God is going to do is that God is going to raise you up in such a manner that he is going to get the glory for it. And that nobody would be able to even question when they see what happened. They're going to know, "No, no, this was the hand of God. No man or woman can take credit for the things that were done here. This is what the Lord said to Moses in Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. The Lord said, But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You see, God is raising us up so that all the nations of the world, all the people in the world, they will know the awesome and mighty power of the Lord Almighty. Something amazing about Abram is that a couple chapters down the line, it talks about how Lot got caught up in a war of sorts, and it was carried off by multiple kings who had raided the kings of Sodom, the kings of Gomorrah, and some other kings. And Lot was carried off with the people and the possessions because he was living near there. So Abram, he gathers up his men, and he's going to go rescue Lot. And it says in Genesis chapter 14, verses 16, he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. But after Abram returned from defeating Ketalameer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheveh, that is the king's valley. Then it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God the Most High. Then he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Okay, so this is Abram tithing to Melchizedek, and this happened before the law of Moses. And this is just a quick aside, but the scripture says that we are now priests forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, something that's amazing about Melchizedek... It says that Melchizedek was king of Salem, and he was a priest of God the Most High. Melchizedek was a king and a priest. As a priest, he would minister before God and get direction from the Lord. And as a king, he would exercise dominion over the land that he had influence over. And now, since we are now priests forever in the order of Melchizedek, we too are kings and priests just as Melchizedek was. And were expected to operate with authority and power, as a king does, and also minister before the Lord, hear from God, inhabit his holy presence as a priest does. That is part of our calling. Okay, so Abram gives a tenth of everything he can to Melchizedek. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, "'Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself.'" Now, Sodom was asking this because when Abram went to rescue Lot, he ended up rescuing a bunch of the men and women of Sodom that had been carried off. The king of Sodom said, look, we want our people back. You can keep all the goods. You can keep all the possessions. But I want you to listen here to the heart of Abram. It says, but Abram said to the king of Sodom with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to Lord God, the most high, the creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a strap of a sandal so that you will never be able to say I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the man who went me to Aner, Eshcol, Mamre, let them have their share. Now we know later on what happens With Sodom and Gomorrah, their wickedness reaches such a tipping point that God brings judgment against them, okay? So the kingdom of Sodom and the kingdom of Gomorrah, they are an example of kingdoms that operate with wickedness according to the world's system. And what happened is that Abram determined in his heart that he was not going to take the riches and the goodness that come from the world, Right? I'm not going to partake of any of the plunder that comes from the world system. I'm going to ensure that the blessings I receive, they come from God's ways of doing things. They come from heaven. Okay, Abram determined this in his heart. And I want you to look at what God's response to Abram was. Genesis 15, verses 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he said, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. You see, God saw, hey, he turned down all of these riches. I guarantee you there was a lot of financial gain to be had by keeping these resources and keeping these possessions. And many people would probably be tempted by, yeah, I'm going to keep some for myself. But Abram decided, I'm not going to take any of the plunder that comes from the world system. So the Lord appeared to him and he said, look, I'm your reward. I am your reward, Abram, right? He's so proud of what Abram had done. And God goes on to expand upon the promise that he had given to Abram, where he further expounds, and he says, I want you to look at the stars, Abram, and see if you can count them. You see, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. You see, after Abram did this, God went out to show him all these things. And he said, your descendants are going to inhabit this land that I have destined for you. Okay? God's plan for Abram was far, far greater than anything he could have imagined for himself. But despite not really knowing the fullness of God's plan, Abram was willing to leave everything behind. He was willing to journey out into the wilderness and be led by God to a place he will show him. And God is calling for us to do the same. The truth is, God's plans for your life are far, far greater and far more magnificent and miraculous than anything you can imagine for yourself. Abram, who was later renamed to Abraham, became one of the most important figures in the Bible because of his faith in God. And we still feel the ripple effects of his obedience to this day. Why? Because he was willing to leave everything behind. He had faith in God. And he said, God, wherever you send me, I'm going to go there. Those people that are going to be a part of this transfer of wealth, influence, and affluence, they are going to be people that have faith like Abraham. When God calls them, it says, God, wherever you send me, I'm going to go there. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. Right? I'm willing to leave behind all the old ways of doing things, all the old habits, and follow you. Those are the people that God is going to use mightily in this generation, and they're going to transform the world in such a manner that the church has never seen in its history. So I hope you guys get this, and I hope you guys get motivated to really trust in God and follow him anywhere he leads you. You will not regret it, not in the slightest. Well, I'm out of time for this week. God bless all of you for tuning in. Again, my name is Joshua Sasso, and you've been listening to the Prophetic Voice of Our Time. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Prophetic Voice of Our Time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630, or you can email us at sogmioutlook.com. at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S O G M I.org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this broadcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to sogmi.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P O Box. 1579 Palotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is PO Box 1579 Palotus, Texas 78023.